your friend. Penises are cool. <laughs> we're flying through space. And uh, I don't remember what the rest of the songs were. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Mostly Film. Uh, that's a hell of an opening for you, and you're welcome. Uh, I am Jonathan McWhorter, one of your hosts, joined by my illustrious co-host, JP Payton. Now, if you don't give a little bit of backstory for that, people will just completely turn this podcast no, off. No, now they need to know. You just stay, you just stay hooked. No, this week we watched uh, one of the movies we watched was Monty, for Terry Gilliam interview with Monty Python, The Meaning of Life, and there's a few songs in that film. Yeah. One of them is about sperm. I don't remember which tune I just sang. I think that was the one about space, though. I think I just sang it to the... Yes, it no, was... Oh, wait, that. crap. You did like, I just do... Da -dun, da -dun, da -dun, you mashed da -dun, some stuff da -dun, up. Da -dun, da -dun. Is that the tune I just did? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's from Even Stevens, and that's Ren's yeah. thing. We I was about to say, to you, the moon. I thought you just went totally yeah. off script. No, no, no. Abby's been singing that, The High on the House. We yeah. went to the moon in 1969. <laughs> Ren Stevens wrote that for, you know, Even Stevens. Great, great little thing. Anyway, uh... In Monty Python the Mini Life, they talk about the, they have a song called the Penis Song. They have a song called the Sperm Song. They have a holy that, that's all yeah Catholic that's all song about life yeah. Uh, so that's what that, that's where that came from. So it's what, just like a <laughs> you know a, a thing. Uh, so we are we are balls deep in this Gilliam thing. This we is are. our seventh and eighth film, and I was talking to JP off air a minute ago, and uh, before we started, and I was like, yeah, you know, next week we got uh, the man who killed Don Quixote and uh, the Adventures of Baron Monhauser, and he's like. The Holy Grail? I was like, that's like two weeks from now. He goes, what do you mean two weeks from now? I was like, you got like three more weeks of this. He goes, oh. <laughs> and he said he's starting to slow down on Gilliam. Or not slow down on Gilliam. He's like, you're like. It's just oh. where it's, it's yes. Yeah. It not is, for me. It's, I'm, I'm it's a, a grind. Gilliam. I'm on the Gilliam grind. I think, I think next week may. That's what I'm hoping. That a bit. I'm hoping. The man who killed Gon Quixote. See, and we'll talk about it in a minute. We're getting. I, I think we're really diversifying his st style here. Me, I do. I think Terry Gilliam. These last few films, we're getting a little different. Something from Gilliam every go around oh. lately. Are we? I think so. Okay, I can't wait to talk about this. I, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. So, t t tell me. Let's just go straight into this. So, I, I want to know right now. Yeah, we're eight films into Terry Gilliam. You said last week. That you give him like a at a letterbox rating, a four star rating as a director. Like yeah. he's he's up there. Like he, you really like Gilliam. Yeah. That did that change after that, this week, or is he still the same? No, it, no, that has not changed. Um, my ratings weren't anything drastic, re reflecting. I just, yeah, it, it it's still probably four star. But I will be honest. Like if, now, granted, if most people get, don't do a full. I think it doesn't matter the director. This is our first one doing a director series. I feel like you start watching when they have a film of however many movies this is, two a week for what yeah, is it? At least at least fourteen. Sort yeah, of that's a being. lot. You know, you're gonna kind of get a little or or twelve probably. director fatigue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Especially one who's as fantastical as Gilliam. <laughs> it's not even the the fantastic like it's just basic like thematic plots and mm -hmm. I, I don't know, man. It's the whimsical side of Gilliam, I love. Mm -hmm. and I love seeing it, but there is just certain things. Um, just it's just just. Which movie do you want to talk man. about first? Because we'll unpack this. We need to start with Twelve Monkeys. I'll start with Twelve Monkeys. Then, did you first of all? Do you know there's a show? Yeah, uh, it was like one six, in production, five or six seasons. No, it's it's done. It's already been made. Oh yeah, yeah. I could have sworn I saw something. I mean, they're making another one, but it's like they might be there. Uh, yeah, there was a Twelve Monkeys show. I think it was on Sci-Fi. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. Um, had had a pretty good run. I didn't watch it. 
I saw 12 Monkeys for the first time, the movie movie, uh, the one we're talking about today. Yeah. When I was eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Oh, um, wow. That's the last time I saw it. Uh, I gave it four stars on memory when I got Letterboxd, but watching it today, I bumped up to, or yesterday, I bumped up to four and a half stars. Um, so let's talk about it. Um, since you're lower on it, you gave it four stars, which is a good rating. Tell yeah. me about it. Uh, I'm not the one to tell, tell anything about well, this what, movie. So, give me give me a give me uh, a plot yeah, synopsis. You know what's one I love about Terry Gilliam films though? Yes. The plot synopsis synopsi are very good. Yeah. Compared to a lot of films. A lot of films, like modern films, have like two sentences. It's like a pair. I'm gonna read you the letterbox synopsis. Yeah, please here. do. And then I'll fill in the blanks afterwards of what I feel like. Luna. Luna okay. is joining us again. Um uh, the future is history. Uh, the year is 2035. Convict James Cole, which is Bruce Willis, reluctantly volunteers to be sent back in time to discover the origin of a deadly virus that wiped out nearly all of Earth's population and forced the survivors into underground communities. But when Cole is mistakenly sent to 1990 instead of 1996, he's arrested and locked up in a mental hospital. There he meets psychiatrist Dr. Catherine Rayleigh and patient Jeffrey Goins, which is uh, Madeline Stowe and Brad Pitt, um, the son of a famous virus expert. Christopher Plummer, who may hold the key to the mysterious rogue group, the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, thought to be responsible for unleashing the killer disease. That's a pretty good synopsis of the film. Yeah. Um. So obviously, a little timely considering COVID and all that stuff, and yeah. you know we're in 2023, so you know 2035 maybe. I, I immediately thought, like, I wonder what Gilliam thought of you know, the past two years, just, yeah, because 2035, you know, you know, 12 years away. I mean, I just meant like his overall views of commercialism and, oh, I think we know, uh, you know, I mean, from Brazil to the zero theorem. I just wonder like, Gilliam got something cooking, like something more current. Did Gilliam, oh, you're saying like under the work? Yeah, yeah, in the works. Like, you know, maybe Gilliam's final gift to humanity was COVID so he can make a movie. Oh my God. He crafted COVID. You heard it here, here folks. You yeah. heard, heard it first here. So 12 Monkeys, um, this movie is pretty brilliant to me because the legacy that this gave, this came out in what, 97, 95? 95. Yeah, 95. I was three years old. Um, Two for me is one of the first films legacy wise that really explored time travel besides like the tropey, just traveling, jumping across times, doing like the, you know, yeah. fish out of water experience kind of thing. Only that being the, the plot, like the, you know, the, uh, what, what am I trying to say? The pool for it. Like, you know, the novelty mm-hmm. being like fish out of water yeah. kind of thing. Or, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I don't fit here. Even if it's not funny. This one really explored the ramifications of time travel and the whole the whole point is trying to change the past uh, or change the future by changing the past. Yeah. Kind of a heavy plot point that hadn't really been explored in depth at this point in film, at least mainstream film. And this is Terry Gilliam's biggest commercial success via cinema and his most widely seen film. Mm-hmm. Uh, not his highest rate. I mean, it's still got a 3.8. That's a pretty high average rating. Brazil is his highest rated film, but um, this universally is his highest seen his most seen film yeah more of a blockbuster and it was like, a blockbuster yeah. success it's yeah this is a kind of a blockbuster and in that it this this to me has the least gilliam i've seen out of all the films we've seen yeah. so far even the fisher king for me i uh, disagree why uh so this didn't have the fantastical visual stuff i was expecting 
it it did with the uh, prop and no, I love his practical effects. Yeah, pra- it, like yeah, practical but effects. But that is, great. but to me, that is the whimsical like right. See, but side I, even in like the Fisher King, you know, like think of the Red Knight and stuff like that. Like I didn't see any of that that I've yeah. seen in every film other, otherwise. So Fisher far. King did felt very detached to who Gilliam was to me, see, and, I, and it did. I agree. Yeah, but so did this one. I think they're both. This is detached in a sci-fi way, which seems like it would be peak Gilliam. Like the Zero Theorem is like peak sci-fi, and that was dripping Gilliam. Yeah. This one, I feel like was a, like I said, like a blockbuster Gilliam. Like, I don't know. He reined it in, I guess. I don't know. For, to, it for, was just a little bit more subtle. Maybe. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, I the, guess. The, the main villain. So, I, I just think about, like, Brazil, where big corporations like big yeah. pharma like all those things are yeah. like the obvious villains to this to to, mm-hmm. to what it to what that movie is going on or what's happening in that movie um that is the infrastructure that you are trying to tackle and defeat and bring down um again it's it's an overdone thing for me of yeah. of like corporations are uh, evil they're you know media mainstream media is trying to poison our minds mm-hmm. um it's just all overdone for me even with, with 12 monkeys yeah with 12 monkeys yeah um it's it it is not as heavy-handed a little um, more vague yeah and it, it's it's put together in a way um where people relate to more mm. with say like a bombing or, or something like that yeah. Um, well, this would have came out right in the height of like anthrax and all that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. No, exactly. So, like now it's like this movie makes sense with COVID. Like it's like, whoa, wow. You know, but yeah. like back then it would have been anthrax or uh, uh, what's the other one that was big back then? Just recently made know, it. It was two. Not gonorrhea. <laughs> uh, okay. It's like that. Not, but not gonorrhea. It, can't, yeah. it happened here not too long ago and like people freaked out about it. Uh, like people bleed from their eyes and stuff. Oh my God. Smallpox? No. <laughs> Bird oh flu. my gosh. I don't know. Oh my gosh, bro. I know what it is. It starts <laughs> with a G, but it's not gonorrhea. <laughs> what is gonorrhea? Though? I know it's an STD. Do you like bleed diarrhea out of your penis? I don't know. I don't want to know. Bleed I will di- never know. Bleed diarrhea out of your penis. I was <laughs> like, those words are not right. I don't know. I have to think about it. Oh, man. Uh, but oh, no, I, I think like I enjoyed 12 Monkeys. And I'll be honest, if I didn't say I started this, so I told you. The other night mm. that I was starting this you later than normal. I did start it, oh. but I couldn't finish it. Yeah. I had to go to sleep. Yeah, that's how I did it. And the so fall. I picked back up. Yeah. And it was it like it wasn't it, I don't think it affected anything. But the I think fact, it always I mean, I I I I never enjoy a film quite as much if I watch it in two sittings. I did that with Angel Heart a couple yeah. weeks ago. I did it with the fall this week. And I think like it always impacts my rating a yeah. little bit because it's just like I should have just Started it over. Just so, is there anything with the plot that you want to hit before we kind of jump into it? Just give a little plot? bit more context. Uh, yeah. So, well, based on their plot synopsis, it talks about them all being driven underground in a community. That's more like a prison. Yeah, it I, is a prison. Like a community that is a prison. They're like stock. You know, they have the barcode yeah. on them. They have the tattoo insignia on the head, and they don't get. They get which, voluntold. They which, have to go again, above ground. That goes into Gilliam's view yeah, that, of us as consumers. Yes. Yeah. That 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 probably is the most heavy-handed part of the film yeah. to me. Um, you know, I, I, I the so it's it. He is a is he a prisoner? I don't know. It's like a prisoner of his own making. I, I guess that's for us to interpret. I still have questions for how they end up 
in this state. I don't think. Wait, which state? Like when he gets well, to the, like in the beginning, like how how we really got to where we were in the beginning, um, to that point, knowing in hindsight, like what actually happens. Um, yeah. I don't know. It goes without saying. This is a review movie, so we will be talking about spoilers. spoilers yeah, because we, you know, you don't have to dodge it. Don't dodge it. Yeah, just yeah. just watch the movie and. Because some people have said that they're they're waiting to listen to some of these <laughs> until they've seen the movie because they that we our spoiler warning does its job. Like, oh crap! Yeah. I haven't seen Twelve Monkeys yet, so I'm gonna have yeah. to dodge. Um, but yeah, I don't know what. So, wh- what worked for you in this? What worked for me, um, the time travel piece I still thought was held up well. Um, I was telling JP beforehand. I was reading a few because every time I watch a movie, I always go then read about it afterwards. Yeah. And Terry Gilliam's films all have some sort of. Almost every film so far has had some sort of legacy that another modern director has taken something from Gilliam yeah. and highlighted. So specifically this one, um, in one of the reviews I read, uh, it's either on Slate Magazine or uh, something. I can't remember which one it was. Okay. The Russo brothers, specifically for Avengers Endgame, took their inspiration from 12 Monkeys. Um, and how about going back, like the first time the Russo brothers, or one of, I guess it would be both of them, saw... Uh, time travel be handled like this where you could go back in time and the potential of changing things was in the 12 monkeys movie yeah um now granted when they did the end game you could go back and change things and one of the one of my favorite things about um 12 monkeys was that no matter what you did and i thought was kind of poetic everything that happened was meant to happen like did you so like at the airport scene did you get the whole thing that that was him as a kid yeah okay i, I did too and i love that no matter i the whole movie, I kept thinking that the end of the movie, it was going to be changed. Like something was going to change. But no matter what he did, it was all for naught. I love that you can't mess with the time. Like, I feel yeah. like anything else, any movie you see nowadays, you can go back and change whatever in the past. They tell you not to, yeah. but you can. That That is something, though, when it comes to Gilliam, though, that is, is kind of like wearing on me, mm-hmm. is there is no hope. As long as, as, long oh, as yeah, these... Oh, he's a very cynical worldview. Yeah, it, as long as these... Um, powers that be nothing like, matters. Still be yeah. We can't do anything and change it. Yeah. Um, which is part of the reason why I love Brazil in comparison. But, well, well, even then, like, is it though? Because I think every one of his films ends with the inception. We say it all the time now. The inception top mm-hmm. at the end of the film. I know we're we're getting to the end before we even really discuss it. But that's okay. The end of the film, David Morse's character, the one who's gonna set this virus off, is on the plane with one of the doctors. See, I think it's always been that way. That and that's why I was kind of confused well, how about how she alive then. I think they got the message. They know where it was. She's going to stop him on the plane, whether she drugs him, doses him, or something like that. So whenever she says, but again, in Gilliam's view of all this, that's what I'm saying. He when it she said, yeah. So when she says, "I'm insurance," knowing how Gilliam has felt about these mm-hmm. movies, how, how all these things, is it, she insurance that insurance, it happens? Insurance is not a good thing. Like right. people could say, like insurance as as an infrastructure for. Our current world, like, yeah, is a biggest cash grab you could ever oh, have. Oh, for sure. And I sold so, insurance. I know. It, yeah, and so, <laughs> and I sold final expense insurance at that. <laughs> so my my first thought went to, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, but my hey, first, listen, you're gonna die. Let's I, let's ex- take care I of know. that. Uh, but my first thought went to, they've been in on this the whole time. Yeah, and they're they're they never intended on stopping it. Yeah, because there's always money to be made. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but I kind of, yeah. So, but, but, so what's the point of them sending people back at all then? 
all this time, money, and resource if they're not trying to stop it. I, I think it's. I think somewhere along the, the along the line, there's someone just a step above everybody else that's that's stopping that. Yeah, but so. why? What's the point? Of it? That's what I'm saying. I, 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 I'm with you. I just think that's the fun part about Gilliam is you don't know, and you're left to constantly. Yeah, but wonder. again, like if would you what what did you say? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Like then why like why does that make this movie that much more that much better the the idea of like what's what's the point in that then if that makes sense the constant battle good and evil <laughs> my man I don't know listen I, this movie was not bad no no I yeah I, well I agree obviously yeah. I four and a half I mean, obviously yeah there's a bunch of reviews that would 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 say that same thing like it, it, it is it is a great movie what would have given it to five just off plot for a second yeah Brad Pitt. So Brad got nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Yeah. And he's not in it that much, really. He's got, what, maybe t- 15 minutes total screen time, if that, Colle- like, collectively. Yeah, collectively, I don't know, but there was there's a good 15-minute stretch where he is... Especially in the beginning. The, in the, the beginning, The beginning yeah. in the mental host- hospital. I've never seen Brad Pitt like that. The time... Life. So, yeah, so the timeline of, like, whenever Bruce... Uh, Bruce's character, Je- Ames? James. James, James meets yeah. Brad's character... Jeffrey Goins. Jeffrey. Um, they're in 1990. Yep. Which he was supposed to go to. He was supposed to end up in 96. This is when he also meets uh the the Battle uh, and Stowe. Yeah, the the the, the, doctor, the psychiatric Doctor Rayleigh, uh, psychiatric uh, professor. Um, I thought that whole sequence that was one of my favorite. Yeah, parts. the movie opened strong. Yeah, and even when they like first he gets volunteered out, getting go out into the snow laden world with the bear. Also, yeah. that was a great opening scene I thought exactly setting the tone for the movie the prison scene was great the costume design they got nominated for an Oscar for the costume design in this film of too. course yeah, yeah costume. I, he should every movie yeah he brings his, out every movie yeah, even like the zero theorem like all, yeah. all of those movies are fantastic uh, costume design so yeah that, but that opening mental institution scene I thought Bruce Willis is acting I've, I like Bruce Willis but I don't think his acting is ever like anything to just be like wow you're great you know wow well, name a movie that he's just like wow this is great acting um, Unbreakable? No. He's good. It's good. Bruce Willis is just, just putting me a good. He's kind of like the Jason Statham of the 90s. No. Which I guess Statham was technically around back then too, but. Yeah. No. I don't. I, I've never. I, I would need, I need some time with this topic. I've, I've rarely ever seen Bruce Willis in a movie with any substance. 12 Monkeys being one of the few. Okay. Like, I like the Die Hard movies. Yeah. But they're like John Wick. Like John Wick before John Wick was. There we go. Okay. Circling back to Tuesday's conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Bruce, I'm, and I'm not trying to disparage the man now. You got dementia now. You know, yeah, sad. it's sad. Yeah, yeah, it's but, especially... Yeah. So, but obviously, it doesn't matter. Uh, well, <laughs> that's what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think a lot of Bruce Willis is... This is one of my favorite Bruce Willis albums because I feel like he actually had to act here. Okay, yeah. And I thought he did well with it. I enjoyed Bruce Willis a lot. But again, I wouldn't say this was like his best performance. I gave you a lot of crap for that for your statement. Just 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 to, no, he's good. <laughs> yeah, it, it really. I've seen this version of Bruce Willis Where? acting. Uh, what's the movie? The it's not the Hostage. Fifth, not, it's movie, not the though. Fifth Element. Is fifth, it fifth Element's great though. Fifth Element. Yeah. So he was on a. He had the ninety sci-fi. Yeah. In a in a balls in a vice grip. It, that's that's why he was in this movie because like that's which came first. I don't know. I thought it was hold on. Pause for station identification. Fifth element. How's it not even on his main uh 
thing. Oh my gosh. Did you know he produced a Crocodile Hunter movie? No. I just found that out. That's crazy to me, bro. Who knew? Uh, Armageddon oh, wow. came out in 1998. 12, uh, 12 Monkeys came out before Fifth I Element. I thought so. Tony, 12 Monkeys changed the sci-fi genre. I don't, I don't, like, I don't, Terry Gilliam disregard that. Is one of the unheralded innovators of modern day cinema. I, okay. I'm going to say it every episode. I have said it every episode. And I know you don't disagree with me. I don't. But each, it would be so much better though, if it wasn't always based around these basic thematic tropes that he throws at our faces. Yeah, no, I get it. And like, I, I don't know if we said it on the end of Tuesday's episode or not, or if we just talked about yeah. it in the middle, like beforehand. You know, in hindsight, you just have to wait 10 years of peace before a Gilliam film to come out, you know? Yeah. People probably didn't think about that 10 years apart. We're watching all these week over week, two Gilliam films a week, you know? Yeah, but I feel like, and maybe if we dove deeper into other directors and stuff, this might be the yeah, thing. Yeah, this is our first director interview. Yeah, I I don't feel like other directors are going to be like this. Yeah. Like, have this this issue. I feel like Martin Scorsese for sure will. No, Scor- Scorsese's had a ton of range as far as, like, the type of movies I he's done. I feel like done. they're all thematically similar. What's the theme? Like, what, what type of theme? Death. Mobster blood gangsters. No, not always. Very similar. But, I mean, but then again, you and you and me that, had different. There's, there's a difference, though. That there, therein lies the difference, though. Mm-hmm. You're saying Scorsese like has a, a gangster feel, like there's gonna be killing, yeah. there's gonna be whatever. Gilliam has that fantastical feel, fantastic, whimsical, but it's always centered around yeah that thematic like. like I, said, I think we'll have to when we do another director review. Yeah. You know, because this is my first time I've ever said. Well, yeah. I guess technically I did Jonathan Glazer's three films, but and those are very broad. Yeah, I need to think about them in context. But yeah, they seem very different. Yeah. So, for, but Grand's a small sta- snapshot, three years or three films. But yeah, um, I mean, like M Night Shyamalan, that that is a perfect example. Of, I need to watch all of his films of a, of a type of, but a type of director that has yeah. their thing, but they're all parables. Each one of his films is a societal parable. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's... I mean... But as far as, like, how he how he gets to that point... See, and, see, and I think Gilliam gets to them differently. Okay. Different mediums to get to different ones. This is, this is, this is, this is what makes it fun, because... Brazil, Zero Theorem, 12 Monkeys, in a lot of ways, very similar his, films. Or they're called, they call him his Orwellian Trilogy. Okay. That's how they're said. And then he has another one, apparently, you're supposed to pair together. What? It's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, but not not connected to those three. No. There's yeah. two. He, okay. they, they, all the Gilliam fanatics, there's two two trilogies he has. I'll have to look at the other one later. But we we just watched one. So I will weeks. say, Tidelands is one that I, I, I enjoyed. Yes. It did not have this, this thematic whatever like, no, corp, the, like no, not the corp. Well, no, no, I don't think it did at all. No, the, the, the I, point it would being, be a stretch saying that you know they they've they created this opioid issue and they've left them all to be no one cares for. But it but wasn't. Super, it wasn't the focal point. No. Yeah, I'm totally fine with having those, and that's issues. one of his later films yeah. too. And that's that's the fun part of it. Like you know maybe. Yeah. But then again, Zero Theorem came out after Tideland too, so yeah, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm you telling know, Thailand you. actually only came out like eight years after 12 Monkeys. It's crazy. I know, 2003, right? Because we yeah. say it every time. This yeah. came out in 95. I don't know, man. But Tidelands is a good example of like he can do something different. Yeah. Like he can change it. Like you can change it up as far as mm-hmm. uh, the plot of a movie. Uh, I don't know, man. Of those three, I think I I had 12 Monkeys above Zero Theorem. You're going to change it? It's close. Um, I, I've been thinking of the, uh, well, Zero Theorem. Well, you have Zero Theorem at three and a half stars. Yeah, it is my second lowest. So you're going to have to either bump it up to four or bump 12 Monkeys down to three and a half. I could do one or the other. I'm going to be I'm on the end of my seat waiting for this. <laughs> anyway, so 12 Monkeys. Brad Pitt was phenomenal in this film. I wish we got yeah. more of him. That would have made it a five-star movie for me. That acting alone. And the more we got from him would have been cool. Because this yeah. was like unhinged Brad Pitt. And I've never seen Brad Pitt like this before. Yeah, The closest is you get a taste of this in Fight Club. Not the manic, crazy part of it. Just like the unhinged yeah. part of it. Um, but not unhinged in like a psychotic. There's different types of unhinged. Every, um, every time Brad Pitt gave the finger... Oh, it's great. I gave it right back. The Twitch. Yeah. I like gave a, it right back. Yeah. Loved that. That was fantastic. And I feel like he had a great time. And I yeah. feel like he had a great time doing this. Yeah. He this went, was like a mixture of Tyler Durden and what's his name from Burn After Reading. It, like if they had a kid no, together, yeah, this like, is the spawn. Yes. Uh, <laughs> somehow. Um, and I loved it. Like, this just, is great. I just imagine the dance from Burn After Reading. <laughs> yeah. I feel, like, I feel like he did this at some yeah. point in the middle of just film somewhere in the breakdown. And his eyes. Like he went cross eyed for a while. Oh, yeah. And they were two like, different colors. Uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, one was like a brownish, one was like a bluish brown. Like they, they probably, were a little different. And his pupils were always different sizes too each yeah. time. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, Brad Pitt was great. I'm I, I wonder like if if Gilliam like sees that in Brad Pitt or he and like I want I want to get Brad Pitt into this movie um, yeah. because I know he has that in him, or he's thinking, you know, this is I want this to be a mainstream blockbuster type Bruce movie. Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt would be yeah, too. Yeah, let's to get. bring in. Yeah, um, and then you're just pleasantly surprised by the result. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure I can find out. Because again, I don't know. I don't know of any movies Brad Pitt would have been in that he would have showed that kind of range. No, beforehand. So no, because he would have been coming off like uh, I think Legends of the Fall and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I've never seen that. Um, Leslie, Thelma and Louise, that kind of stuff. So no, nothing yeah. like that. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so this is like, and, and I've never seen a Brad Pitt movie like this since. Like, this is the one I, and only I've seen Brad Pitt. Be I need like to this. do a full sit down rewatch of this. I think Twelve Monkeys. Yeah. Like just one watch through. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, that that beginning. Oh, that the mental. The hospital first scene? forty-five minutes of this movie was great, fantastic, and then every, I went every to part sleep. of it. <laughs> See, that may like I said, I, I'll be the first. I want to rewatch the fall. Yeah, I gave it four stars. I think that's probably more of a four and a half. And that's star one movie. of the movies you mentioned on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I just that's a Lee Pace film. Yeah, where he's narrating the story. Yeah, and it changes. I just fell asleep midway through and had yeah. to finish it the next day. You know that that always I feel like breaks it up a movie for me. Totally. But anyway, um, yeah, Brad Pitt was fantastic. Which we got more of him. But like the whole plot of the film, I love the time travel thing, and I love the unique the Harry Houdini issue. Like where they, you know after Brad Pitt helps Bruce Willis's character escape and they put him in the straps and he just vanishes and he goes back to his, you know, basically experiment, electric chair experiment. Yeah. And they're like, why have you messed? Why didn't you reach out to us? Why are you out there doing drugs or whatever? He's like, what do you mean doing drugs? They made me take drugs. Like made you take drugs. Like, yeah, I'm in a mental institution. Like what? Like, (laughs) yeah, you messed up. Right. Um, then they send you to world war one. Yeah. Which was a super neat carryover too. 
because he did, he accidentally time jumped again. Like they, they they have no clue what they're doing in 2035. So explain this, the time traveling so elements because of this. He, because he went out and he got chosen to volunteer, he brings back some spiders and all this stuff from the, the upper world that they're going to test. And because he brings it back, they trust him with some more stuff. Like, hey, you know, do you want to pardon? Which is how you know they're prisoners, I guess. Yeah. You know, if you want to pardon, you can be free. We're going to send you on this new thing. You just go get some information from us. We're going to send you back in time or whatever to 1996. Well, he said yes, because he wants to pardon. Well, they mess up. They send him to 1990. And that's where this all starts. That's how he meets Brad Pitt's character. Or Yeah, Brad Pitt's character. And they think he's a crazy man. Obviously, they put him in the mental institution with Brad Pitt. Uh, and afterwards, they pull him back out after a certain amount of time. And, you know, the real world's like, what the hell? How did this guy disappear? They never kind of forget it. Yeah. And then when he travels back again, they send him to World War One instead of 1996. So then he gets shot in the leg and there's a picture of him taken. And um, he time jumps again, doesn't go back to the main place and ends up in 1996 where yeah. he's supposed to end up. And he meets, he goes and seeks out the psychiatrist who was super nice to him who felt like she had seen him before, which is just another wrinkle in this film. Like, how did she, how does she know she'd seen him before? But it's always from the airport. Remember? Because she no, saw him she, as a little kid. No, that hadn't happened yet. I know, but at the very end of the film, the Inception top, she looks at the young Bruce Willis's character. He's looking at her with tears around. She looks at him and goes, No, she realized she had seen him whenever she had did all the research for the book. But that was before. What the I heck? Know. Right. I know. She she acknowledged that she knew who oh he gosh. was. I'm telling you, dude, Gilliam's a master. And I don't understand. It makes me furious every I, time i understand i, I understand don't understand that one i understand what you're saying she recognized the young bruce willis but only because bruce willis had had told her he was going that that this was going to happen but how would she know that was the kid she wouldn't she's never seen a picture of him she knew exactly who it was she gave him a smile yeah but in that moment you look up and you see a kid like it's going to click maybe oh I think it's more of a, way, it was a great I think, little poetic I think that nod. Moment, I think that was a that, that moment was sentimental. It was it hit and it was the a right great notes. way to end. Yeah, it yes. was great. Anyway, so she, you know, Bruce Willis finds her and she's written a book basically highlighting her case study with Bruce Willis and studied a lot more of this like people out of time and uh, I can't remember what they called it like the Miranda syndrome or something like yeah. that and like people who really maybe be from the future or know the stuff but like when you try to tell people they just think you're crazy even though you're not and it makes you crazy therefore uh anyway bruce willis kidnaps her and you know they're talking about he you know all this stuff's happening on the news and he tells her what's really going to happen like there's this one case of this kid stuck in a well and he tells her the kid's not stuck in a well he's hiding in a barn she's like don't say that this is a serious thing turns out he was right so she starts piecing all this stuff together she finds a picture of him from world war one and there's the bullet in his leg, and she puts it all together like, wow, he is telling the truth. And she decides to help him. She falls in love with him, you know, yada, yada. But then nobody believes her, which her theory that she wrote about in her book comes true. Like, now now she's, now she's they think she has, like, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. And she's now crazy, but she's actually realized the truth. And But she's really unhinged in the process of oh, yeah. trying to... Which I can't yeah. imagine. I would be, too, probably. Yeah. You know, um... And then you, Brad Pitt's character over those six years, his dad is, he kept calling his dad God, but his dad was really like a presidential type scientist kind of guy, like one of the chief scientists of the nation. And uh, he's not the villain everybody thought he was, you know, uh, Brad Pitt's like psychopath. 
kind of crazy person. It's really the like one of the guys that works for his dad who's yeah nuts. Um, who was at the book signing, obviously, and like took inspiration from the lady. So remember, yes, ponytail guy, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. This movie's kind of like, like most of Gilliam's films, and that's why I do think you, maybe you do need to rewatch because it's like uh, they're just so layered, and like you just miss stuff the first time you watch it. Well, I again because there's been so many sci-fi type movies that obviously have pulled elements from this mm-hmm. this movie uh, since it's been released. That it was so was, popular it had a TV series. Yeah, I that when I was watching it, some of it did feel predictable. I will say I, there were moments where I kept asking myself like what's the chance we get to the end of this and Bruce Willis has actually been crazy this whole time and yeah. this has just been a psychedelic like induced um, you know See, that experience been generic to me I feel like I would have expected that yeah no and that's I was I, I was very you know thankful to know it wasn't but but no at the same time though there there are different ways they could have I don't know I wouldn't have been See, I, I uh, totally upset I would have I think but Regardless, I'm sure Gillian would have pulled it off for me. Yeah. He always does. Um, yeah, I don't know. I almost said he Gillian would have pulled it out for me. He always does, but always does. Didn't <laughs> didn't go there. No, I I, uh, I I like the whole ending. The last the opening 45 minutes, like you said, are fantastic. I think in the middle it does get a little. Yeah, there, there are some nice parts in the middle, like going I, and seeing Brad Pitt in the mansion is a nice little pickup. The World War One thing's a nice little pickup. I just I needed a little bit more explanation for. The whole whole means of transportation, I guess. The time travel transportation? Yeah. yeah, they like put him in this like cryopod and put him in a wall and then he just travels. Yeah. Uh you know, they they do they don't explain that very well, I'll give you that. But um I thought everything else was pretty well explained and except for the things he wanted to leave purposely vague. Like the end scene on the plane and then the to me, the air, whole airport scene because you know, like you really you really like the airport scene? I love the airport scene. All the things that happen in the airport, like his friend coming back from the cell, gives him the gun, um, you know, and like him leaving that message in real time. Then the guy showing up yeah, and saying like, hey, I just got your message, you know. Yeah. He's like, I just sent that five minutes ago. It's five minutes for you, like 50 years for me. Maybe, maybe I am becoming victim to the, uh, what's the, the fact that I'm, have been exposed to the concept of like time travel yeah. in movies before. Like maybe yeah. that sheen had kind of been lost in yeah, this movie, for sure. but it just, I don't know, man, those last few minutes, like didn't, I, I kind of just knew the moment they showed up to the yeah. airport. Yeah. Like, this is how it's going to end. I love Bruce Willis's wig and mustache. Yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> Fu Manchu was great. Yes. Uh, no, it's the idea. The ending just totally worked for me. And I, I love the inception spinning top ends. Like, and to me, it had that like I, between the airport and the woman looking at yeah. the doctor looking at the young Bruce Willis. And like the other thing is I didn't get is Brad Pitt's character. Was he actually there? No, he because sees it, him. He sees him in the airport in yeah. one vision, though, because he's in the shirt. But really, it's him. The Hawaiian shirt. Remember? So wait, did they change it? No. But did they? Yeah, I know. exactly. The airport so the- seems a little different. So one of the things I love, the airport seems a little different. Each time. So like, and which makes you think, is he crazy to your part? Because he, when he comes up to the surface for the first time. Yeah. 
he goes into the department store, which is where they spend the time. They go buy the clothes. They go buy the disguises. They go by the... He walks by the exact same clothes stand that she buys his shirt. Yeah. All this stuff. He ends up in that exact... And then he has the vision. Mm-hmm. And he sees little bits and pieces of that shirt right after. First vision after he goes up there. Then uh, after he meets um, Brad Pitt's character, the next time you see the vision, it's Brad Pitt's character in that shirt. I don't know. You get a little more detail. You get a new clip of the vision. Then at the very end, it's actually Brad Pitt's or uh, Bruce Willis's character who dies. Yeah, I'm gonna need a rewatch. Yep, it's a it's a it's a multifaceted film, like all Gilliam's films are. Sometimes too much, so. Because I what I was about to say before you kind of went into that was what I enjoyed in the movie was um, Bruce Willis and uh, Professor Rayleigh's like his moments of mm-hmm. reliving those moments and kind of like those because they were just like really intimate moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought those were some really good acting. Did you um, think that was Travis Barker b- busting in that room, the pimp? I totally thought it was Travis Barker. For I a did not. That looked like I, Travis Barker, but he didn't have the neck tattoos. That was a very interesting sequence of events for sure. It was or wasn't? It was. He's like, yeah, crack corn, Coming to my a territory. deranged dentist came in here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. Uh, but no, I, I Twelve Monkeys for me is is one of my favorite Gillian films. But as my ratings go for Gillian, before we talk about the meaning of life, I have uh, no. It's my third highest. The Fisher King, The Imagine of Dr. Parnassus, Twelve Monkeys, Zero Theorem, Brazil, Time Bandits, Tideland, The Meaning of Life. But like I, well, I say it every week, all of these films, you have two five stars with The Fisher King and Imagine of Dr. Parnassus, and you have four and a half for 12 monkeys to zero theorem Brazil and four stars for time bandits and Tideland, And then three stars for Monty Python and me alive. We'll get to that in a minute. So, I mean, these are razor thin differences for me. They're not like, you know, one's drastically better from the beginning. Well, if you go from Fisher King to meaning of life, then yes, there's drastically different from top to bottom, but you know, there's, they're also two totally different films. Like yeah. meaning of life is a sketch film. Yeah. You know, um, but no, 12 Monkeys for me is one of Gilliam's my favorite works of Gilliam because it's, you know, it's so, to me, you know, I know you don't necessarily agree. It's so different than anything else he's done. It's not as fantastical. It's not as, it's not as whimsical. It's not as, you know, beautiful. The time traveling element elevated, uh, or it was a different vehicle. I guess is the right word to 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 get to the point of like the real message of what he's trying to say. Yeah. Um, which I think helped. Um sometimes like Inception is just time travel. Like it, it like yeah. It is or not, it's not time travel. Um dream travel. Yeah, but it's like that the theme, like there's it doesn't re- get really any deeper than that whole yeah. concept. Yeah. Um, whereas Twelve Monkeys we don't get a whole lot of the concept of, of time travel, mm-hmm. but you see the effects of it and you see how it af- actually af- affects the characters and, yeah. and everyone involved. Um, well, one thing I love about yeah. this though, like I understand why a multi-season TV show spun off of this. I feel like this is a very rich lore Yeah, to be, I, I kind of want to watch the show now. I probably won't, but I kind of want to watch the show just because it's the same characters, James Cole and Goins and all that. And like, I think it'd be fun to watch and see what they did with that IP. Like out of everything we've watched so far, 12 monkeys has the most 
spin-off ability yeah. to it. Like I and, and it did. Like not it's not I'm not just saying that because of the show. Like out of everything we've seen, Twelve Monkeys is the only one that seems like it could have like a sequel. Yeah. And like I would watch it. I don't know. Imaginary Dr. Parnassus. Like just, ha- just as far as just like I mean I, that'd be the one I'd love to have a bigger lore. Most. But yeah. Uh, give me Andrew Garfield taking it over. Like somehow he's now made a deal with the devil and the devil's Adam Driver. There you yes. go. You're welcome. I'd be all in. Or Harrison Ford. Ooh, yeah. That'd be good times. Do it. Oh. Do, give me the Tom Cruise Harrison Ford. There you go. Light and dark. We'll have I a great time. I've seen that. So, but no, 12 Monkeys for me. I think it's great. Uh, you need to rewatch it in one sitting. I will. Yeah, I think that pretty much decides that I will. I I will say I I had this lower in my tier of like four stars that I've got from my list. Um, it, it, it is my it is my fourth highest right now. Twelve Monkeys. So, so what's it, your order? It is, it is right now. It sits at Brazil one, Fisher King, Tideland, Twelve Monkeys, Time Bandits, Imaginarium. I'm so shocked that you're so high on Tideland. I, I gave it four stars. I really like Tideland. I. But. I really enjoyed it. I it's mean, my, it's it's four stars for me, yeah, as well. So, I mean, the man who killed Don, Don Quixote could be higher. Um, you it know, will be, I think, yeah, I I got a feeling too. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. That's that is. I like is. I liked how two weeks in a row though I've been able to maybe talk you up. You went from four to four and a half on Fisher King last week while we were talking about it, I, and then after discussing today, you at least like I think I need to rewatch it. Well, my four star, I if I really wanted to be brazen, I would have just gone three and a half. Yeah. So you um, might just be a solid four star I, and bump it up a notch in your ratings, maybe. No. I, What's yeah, right in front yeah, of that probably. one? Tideland. Oh, that's better. So much better than Tideland. Oh, it's like, oh man. See, now, I, now, see, now, I think there, in my mind, there's a huge disparagement between 12 Monkeys to Tideland. I think it's just a preference more than anything. And, I, you know, we always talk about, like when we did the Star Wars, when we talk about um, in the notes, what do we call it? Um, the effects, like how are the effects in the movie? How was the action in the movie? How does the story, how yeah. does it hold up? And where's the legacy? The legacy for this film trumps Tideland 10 out of 10. Totally. And honestly, the effects of this film but, trump Tideland. I mean, just this is a almost 10 year difference and like the practical totally, effects are way but better. If we were to do that, then... Our list would be the exact same, probably. Like there, we need we need some some discourse. <laughs> Speaking of discourse, let's talk about Monty Python and me in life. <laughs> what, what discourse? This <laughs> is a great time. This was a this was a time. I, I I don't know. I think there were parts that were great. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the most underrated person of the Monty Python troupe is Eric Idle. Mm, yeah. I love Eric Idle, and he also is the main guy from the Figment ride at Disney. He does all the narration. He's in, he, really? in the ride. Yeah. He's in the ride himself. He's like, You Disney people. You always yeah. know everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Figment's my favorite character, like mascot. He's a mascot of Epcot. But anyway, uh, did, you, did you catch Terry Gilliam's cameos in this film? No. He was in this film three times. Yeah. That I, that I counted. He was the like woman in like the Bo Peep outfit at the big dinner scene who escorted the people in to sit down. Yeah. Uh, he was also in the final scene with Death. He was the American who kept trying to talk. And interrupt at the end and death yeah. was like, what is it with you Americans? That's Terry Gilliam as well. Yeah. So he uh he did a few. Yeah, Terry camps. Gilliam, I don't think likes Americans so much. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> uh so Monty Python's meaning of life. Uh I saw this when I was in high school. 
um, for the first time. I was at high school and I was stoned and I loved Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Yeah. So I was with some friends. We're like, let's watch his other one, The Meaning of Life, because his parents had owned it. So we watched it. I thought it was the funniest shit ever, bro. Not as funny as My Pot and Holy Grail. My Pot and Holy Grail is a cult, not, not even a cult classic. It's like one of the best comedies ever made. Like, yeah. I've seen it like a year ago and I still love it. Like, I know I'm still going to be super high on Monty Python. And it's not just a sketch movie. Like, it's a movie movie. Now, granted, they are broken off into sketches, but it's one consistent, cohesive sketch yeah. thing. This one is not. Uh, and it is not near as funny as I remembered it being. There are some seriously laugh out loud funny moments. But they're fleeting for me. They're, 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 you know, this was more of a few of I had like, <laughs> you know, those moments like we've all been there. We're young. We're naive. We're not that smart. Yeah. We might have been high. I was high. I was stoned. I was like, ha ha. And they're probably someone, a little drunk too. someone says something that, you know, is funny, but like, you don't know why it's funny. Yeah. It's now, maybe I'm bitch, I've only seen it maybe twice before today. And they were yeah. both in like probably well, in an altered state of mind. So just, this was sober minded. Yeah. Drinking. I was eating last night some M&Ms and drinking a bottle of water. Uh, so, yeah, this movie didn't <laughs> land for me quite the same way. Uh, yeah. So I, I say that just. I've definitely laughed at things in the past. I had no idea what I was laughing at. I just yeah. I thought the delivery delivery was funny. And yeah, I could definitely see how it's funny. I just have no idea what you're talking about. So I want I want to highlight the few parts of the film first that I thought worked. Sure. Uh, like at the top of the the top of the show where I sang the songs, uh, one of the opening sketches. Like I thought the fish faces were great. Love the fish, and they're like yeah. the narrators for the movie. Great, great. I lo- loved that. Um, but the first real thing is when they go in. It's like a birth control ad, basically. Like people need to wrap condoms. Were first starting to come out, mm-hmm. and this one guy had like probably eight hundred kids, um, and he sings a song about sperm and like it's okay to. Like not come in a woman, you're not gonna go to hell for it. You know that's what the whole moral of the song's about. Yeah, uh, out of a scripture taken out of context from Leviticus about your sperm falling on the ground, God will strike you down. Yeah, wasting it basically. Um, so they were talking about that. Uh, anyway, and one of the funniest parts about it is in the like the song itself is really funny, and all the kids singing, they have like their solos singing about sperm and how precious it is. But one of my favorite parts of that whole sketch is when the neighbors next door are talking about all their kids and like, yeah. you know. The really discovering like you can have sex more than just have kids. Yeah. The whole time they're having like this five minute monologue, kids are still just walking out of that house <laughs> for the whole five minutes. Just his kids that are, he's taking them to donate for, uh, organ donor, organ donor experiments and stuff like Which, that. Yeah. It's dark, but it's great. Yeah. Uh, that, that whole scene, that whole sketch worked for me a little over long after the song was over that dialogue between Eric Idle and, um, Graham Chapman was a little long, but Mayhew Rest, Graham Chapman's one of the few that are dead from this group. Um, that that worked for me. Uh, the next scene worked for you more than it worked for me. That was the Roman Catholic uh, scene. No, that's this. That happened right after this. Because then it goes into the sex ed class. They break off from that go to sex ed. Sperm is precious, sperm is pure. Then it goes to the Roman Catholic singing out of the hymn books. No. Yes. What's the song? Okay. They sing a song too. Yeah. Basically, I mean, it's basically warping scripture, but they're singing a song. Well, I meant the sperm song. Oh, you were talking about the sperm song. Yeah, I was talking about the sperm song. Love the sperm song. (laughs) Yeah, the next thing is the Roman Catholic where they're like reading out of the handbook and the hymnal and they sing a hymnal. Yes. Very blasphemous, but very much kind of funny Uh, because it's 
when I say blasphemous, a lot of people think things that are, and I guess maybe they are blasphemous, but like blasphemy for me is maybe not what blasphemy is for some people. Yeah. Like just because there's, they're making fun of Christianity. I don't consider that blasphemous. Yeah. I have a thick skin, like make fun of it all you want. But if you start saying like, you know, like I'll we'll use an example, like that last temptation of Christ movie where Willem Dafoe plays Jesus and he's banging Mary Magdalene. Yeah. But not like in a funny way. Yeah. That's blasphemous to me. Like that's where I think that's the line. That's the line. You know, I, you we know. crossing that line. But like when Dale and Brennan from Step Brothers says, "I like to imagine my Jesus in a tuxedo. He likes to party." You know. Yeah. That's not blasphemous to me. That's funny and honestly, probably a little true. Yeah. And when I say party, I'm not saying Jesus like doing bath salts or something like that. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like he's a good time. Jesus created comedy, so you know, that's not blasphemous for me. But a lot of Christians took that line that was blasphemous. I had never heard that before. Wow. Yeah, it was you know, it was a controversy at the time. Hmm. But anyway, so like this movie though probably flirts with the line of blasphemy a little bit because it probably perverts scripture a little too much. But uh, so the next thing going to the cardinal, they're doing this like uh, the cardinal being the Catholic cardinal, they're doing this whole whole bit, uh, and then they break off into classes, which John Cleese is a sex ed class. Yes, and oh my gosh, this whole 10, 15 minute skit is probably <laughs> the best skit of the whole yeah, damn I, movie. I agree. Uh, it starts off like, talking about like different ways to pleasure a woman. All these kids are like the whitest kids you know. The whitest kids you know. Do you ever watch any of their stuff? No. They definitely one thousand percent sure took all their cues from the Monty Python troupe. Like that's hilarious. It's brilliant. Um. Yeah, and, and I love the fact that you've got a classroom of, of boys that it's actual boys like and grown men. Yeah. yeah that, so like the, the yeah, like four Monty Python grown men in a room of like another 15, 20 yeah. teenagers, basically. Yeah. And then conversation ensues. Yeah, about like <laughs> how to get a woman wet and using all the proper nouns. And like the teacher, John Cleese, is so serious about it. And everybody's so serious about yeah. it. And finally, a bed pulls out of the wall and his wife comes in and strips and he's like showing them how to have intercourse. And like he keeps getting distracted and like having to get onto the boys for different stuff. And yeah. he's like, that whole scene was hilarious. Every yeah. part of it worked. And then... uh the guy who got distracted and like he's like, what are you laughing at? What do you, you know? What's so funny? We shared the class. He goes, you get to now go play on the boys team in rugby. He's like, no, <laughs> it was like a three minute skit right after that of like all grown. the grown men <laughs> fighting, like playing rugby, like kindergartners. Yes. And that guy had to go play against them. It was it that that whole 15 minute, 20 minute bit from the church on was great. Yeah, it was top for me. Then the next couple didn't work for me. I didn't I didn't hate the so after that then was the jungle scene or the the war scene. The war scene missed me with that. I did I, not enjoy them. I, I didn't care. enjoy the like war scene and like I like the tight I like the tiger bit. The leg bit I liked. Yeah. The leg like oh the mosquito. But everything leads up to that, you know? Yeah, the mosquito bit was fine with Eric Idle. Like I said, Eric Idle. Anything with Eric Idle in this movie I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh but after the mosquito where then they go to the tiger and all that stuff, that I didn't love. Didn't love the tiger funny. stuff. It was kind of funny. It's all right. It's all right for me personally. I need to. We need to preface something. I watched this movie at one and a half speed, I playback speed. Yeah. So like everything, you know, a little bit faster. These songs are a bop. Whenever they're just a little bit faster, they kind of yeah. got like a little chipmunk voice. Well, the penis to them. one's already fast enough. Yeah, it was fast. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> but yeah, no, the war scenes didn't didn't quite do it for me. Outside of a name, a couple one liners there. Yeah. Uh, the liver donor scene didn't do it for me too much, but there were a couple of chuckles to have, especially the song where Eric Idle takes her on a tour of the galaxy to convince her to give her organs yeah. up. John Cleese is trying to, you know, smash. <laughs> yeah, he like goes yes. and takes the organ of this man and is like, hey, now that he's dead, what you which, trying to do? Which 
it was really I I didn't recognize him at first because he's got you know um, makeup on and all that mm-hmm. stuff and they've covered up his mustache. Yeah, it looks really weird. He looks like he has a cleft lip or something. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you talking about John Cleese? John Cleese. Yeah. Yeah. Who well, he, yeah. He 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 was extra. I mean, that must no mustache and uh, Tom Payne. That's where he played Robin Hood. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was wild. The, but the donor scene was fine. It didn't didn't totally land, but some parts of it landed. But the most iconic scene of this film, or the most iconic moments of this movie, and the longest bit, it's actually my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Um, is the dinner scene, not not the dungeon dinner scene where they teach you how no, to have death. conversation. No, not the death scene. The obese man scene. Oh yeah. The vomiting. I didn't I didn't mind that because it kind of tied listen when it comes to comedy I love the long joke like the yeah. like no yeah it, it was the amalgamation of everything that yeah. film connected it all it was the sinews of the S I N E W you know like the, the medical term there like it, it connected everything together everything flew through that bit yeah but I didn't to me that I knew that was the butt of the joke technically like that yeah it just didn't land for me um it's understandable it I mean, it was great and it was grotesque and I loved that. I mean, I, mean, I love a good throw up sequence. Shout out Tri- Triangle oh, Sadness. Yeah. This one, I mean, about rivaled it. It was, it was rough. rough. And it looked somehow the vomit in 1983 yeah. looks better than Triangle Sadness. Like, this looks like yeah. real chunky puke. Yeah. It looks like uh, water mashed potatoes. Yeah. Like, that everywhere. And it, it was funny because, like, after that sequence, you know, because. They break out the movie into parts, obviously, yeah, where they're talking like, about what, eight, I think eight sketches. Yeah, eight different sketches, but they've, you know, obviously based around childbirth, procreation. Oh, I did war. like the opening childbirth scene. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that, the machine that goes boop. That was <laughs> yes. Yes, we have all the expensive machines here. Oh, I so see you have the beep machine that goes beep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this one, um them shaking the baby. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I totally forgot what I was trying to say. Right, let's just go ahead and get rid of it in here. <laughs> uh I totally forgot the point. I was oh, at the end of the whole vomit scene is whenever the waiter who is uh what what's his name? Junkies. Yeah, junk uh no, not junkies. The yeah, other junkies. But the he's explaining like you're expecting to know what the meaning of life is. Like Which he came one? here to learn. The one who took him on the long five-minute the walk away. Yes. Eric Idle. Eric Idle. That, that's his name. Love Eric Idle. Yeah, so this whole time, like, you, you're thinking, like, he's he's going to explain it, and he takes you to the house, which, in theory, like, when you think of Terry Gilliam, like, that... I love that whole scene. That bit where you get to the house, he's like, I grew up here. Okay. You know what? You. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I think there's, there's something there. These guys were honestly... They were super controversial. Yeah. Not for British audiences, but listen, for American listen, audiences. Listen, when the dude took off the costume. Which one? Um, After the tiger scene. It's the end of the tiger scene. Oh. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but they were really. They. Everything Terry Gilliam does is innovative. Like yeah, the humor I, here. I yeah. So even though he didn't direct the life of Brian, he wrote a lot of the, wrote it. And like, Meaning of life. No. Oh, you're uh, talking about he the wrote actual. And directed this one too. <laughs> okay. Uh, the life of Brian, which I'm glad we're not watching. I've seen that one. That one's very yeah. blasphemous. Yeah. That one's all about a guy named Brian who lived in the days of Jesus and gets crucified next to him. The whole, the whole movie <laughs> is about Jesus. That He's, is blasphemous. Yes. Uh, and he gets confused with Jesus instead of Jesus. And it was like history. It's very blasphemous. <laughs> oh, great. But as a Christian, like you should watch it though. At some point he did write it. Yeah. And it, it is funny. You just also have to like say a prayer. 
for forgiveness. I always say a prayer. Um, But no, like Terry Gilliam, like the jokes here, like it's very progressive. It's kind of like South Park before South Park was here because like, yeah, the jokes are like they crap on Christianity. They crap on atheism. They crap on liberal. They crap on conservative. They crap on straights. They crap on gay. There's a lot of trans kind of like support here. Yeah. To pro-life, pro-choice, like the, the Monty Python boys. I mean, Terry Gilliam, which Terry, Terry Gilliam was like the main guy of all them. Like he was the kind of like the Johnny Knoxville of Jackass. He's the one who keeps them all together. Sure. You know, he really gets, gets it. And like the Monty Python stuff, even though it's not funny, his other, like his other films that aren't Monty Python, the Monty Python DNA is in everything that he does. Yeah. And like watching this, even though I didn't love this as much as I used to, I see all of his other works in here. Like, it, it, I, even though it's a comedy and it's sketched yeah you know and I really appreciate that about Terry Gilliam I need to say like I enjoyed this more than I expected what'd you give it I gave it three I gave it three too yeah and I, not, I'm i probably immovable on that like yeah. it's a three star it, I but feel that's like, fine that's fine for me like it is for what it is like Monty Python I'm still expecting it to be four and a half five stars for me like that is like an all time comedy grail. for me yeah the holy grail yeah um, yeah shows like this movies like this like they are what they are. It's hard like, to call this a movie. I mean, it is a movie, but yeah. it's an eight sketch, eight bit sketch film piece together. A, there is a common theme throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And it, and like I said, there, there's callbacks. So we, we missed like the very opening scene of it is whenever the accountants basically oh, the, the, the uprising. The short. Yeah. And then that turns in and hijacks the film again midway through. Which I love like that. I don't know, man. I, I enjoy that type of stuff whenever it comes to a comedy. Have you um, seen Monty Python the Holy Grail? It's been forever. Like, probably high school since I've seen it. Gosh, bro. Uh, dude, there, there's a part of me, like, there were so many people just growing up, just quoting it constantly. Like, we get it. You have no sense of humor, so you have to quote a movie the entire time. Like, yeah. Monty it, Python and Holy Grail is that. It didn't ruin it, but it well, thankfully did you've deter- had, It's had enough time now. Yeah, it, it did deter me to, like, really invest <laughs> myself in... in that movie. So I didn't see Monty Python and Holy Grail until I was in high school as well. Yeah. Um, me and Tanner used to hang out with this family from church and they played it one night and I became <laughs> obsessed with it. And I was like, this is my t- personality now. Uh, like, yeah. And I, well, funny thing is I saw Napoleon Dynamite the same week for the first oh time. Oh my God. So I was obnoxious for that a while. Jonathan McWhorter yeah, I saw Anchorman that same year. Oh so I got to see Napoleon God. Dynamite, Monty Python, the Holy Grail and Anchorman all in the same year. <laughs> So, and Borat. There's Bor- I think Borat came out that same year too. Hang on, I'm gonna check right now. That was a milestone year for you. Anchorman came out in 2004. I think now I think Borat came out in like 2007. No, yeah, I think I, I think I'm off there. Well, you you rode that wave all the way up to Borat. Like you rode it strong. Well, Borat I'm came sure. out in 2006. So oh, one so year. not that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe not even a full year yeah. from that. So. uh yeah, Borat's definitely like a, a January, February movie. So you could, I mean, they could have been pretty close together. Yeah. So I was like, oh, they're talking like, yeah. He's oh, wow. That was a terrible Borat. I'm normally pretty bad. 2005, Jonathan would be ashamed. Yeah, that's, I used, to, I used to be with Nell on Napoleon Dynamite too. Tino, come get your dinner, you fat lord. There are do there, the chickens have large talons. There have been millions of people that thought they could nail a Napoleon Dynamite. Mine's not terrible, though. It's not terrible. Like, I need my chapstick. My lips are real bad. 
Yeah, I feel like it's not bad. I feel like I still got that all yes. right. I'm a bar rat. Used to be better than it is right now. I used to be very good. Uh, they were getting there. I'm getting there now. I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm king of the castle. I have a chair. Uh, yeah, I lost it. Uh, yes. <laughs> but you know what I do got? It's boobs oh. and boots. Did you ever watch Boots and Boots, JP? I have not watched it yet. You need to. It was oh, the best fine. anime that's released this year. Anyway, um, suffice it to be said, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life is good. It's not great. It's got some great bits in it. It's also got some subpar bits in it. And as far as the Terry Gilliam, this is my most definitive lowest ranking. But it's also just the most totally different film with a bunch too. Like this. Yeah. Like I said, I have a hard time classifying this as a film. It well, is. It is a film. It is. I, I know we are, it is. We are tackling this all like in a double feature kind of mindset. So it, it is hard to pair this with other, other things. Right. And like I, I thought about doing, we, when we paired these yeah. off, I thought about doing, you know, both Monty Python movies and then doing Jabberwocky and the Baron. But like, I also don't want to just, I, I wouldn't want to talk. I feel like they would be too tonally similar to talk about a whole week of just Pi- Monty Python, Holy Grail, and Monty Python on the Meaning of Life. Yeah. Um, now, granted, the last week I think is Monty Python, the Holy Grail, and Jabberwocky, um, but they're it's Jabberwocky's technically his first big break from Monty Python. So yeah, same Michael Palin stars in it, but um, you know, we'll see. <laughs> but no, uh, Meaning Life is good. It's your lowest rated too. Of the it bunch. is. It is. But it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. No, I did. I had a great time with it. Yeah, uh, you said. I didn't watch it. I maybe have to like watch one of these songs <laughs> yeah. on on one and a half speed now. Oh yeah, it, but, uh, it was it was fun. So that's that's all I got for the uh, Terry Gilliam Terry Gilliam interview for t- this week. Twelve Monkeys and uh, the Monty Python and the Meaning of Life. Who's your favorite guy from the sketches? I mean, John Cleese is just John Cleese is great. Yeah, I mean the the He's sex, probably my second favorite. The sex ed bit was alone, like probably top for me. You Much know, like John Cleese was, but out of everybody who I'm looking at their pictures, modern day pictures, John Cleese looks the least like John Cleese. Really? Like Eric Idle still looks just like Eric Idle. Like that dude just yeah got older. You know what I mean? John Cleese looks the same to me. No, 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 no. And then Michael Palin looks kind of similar. No, no, but not not wildly similar. But John Cleese looks like Mr. Feeney. I mean, his head looks a little bit mushier. No, it looks like Mr. Feeney. No, that's John Cleese. That's John Cleese. Uh, you, oh, did you know uh, J.K. Rowling is a huge Terry Gilliam fan yeah. and reached out to him to write and direct, or not write, to, to direct the first two Harry Potter movies? I'm glad he didn't. He said yes. Warner Brothers said no. Yeah, that was a good call. And he thinks Chris, Chris Columbus is a pompous, uh, unimaginative hack basically Ugh. who made just these cheap children's movies Gilliam doing Harry Potter would have been amazing I because he would have had to stick within the confines of the books obviously yeah but I would have loved to have seen a Gilliam big studio oversight a little bit is it something you may need a little bit sometimes listen they were always going to I, I think they were probably always going to switch up directors like they did. Well, every... it was two pictures. He was yeah, going to do the yeah. first, Chris Columbus did. He was going to do the first Man, two. I don't know then. That could have completely changed the trajectory of what that world looked like. Oh, I know. <sighs> I don't know. Chris Columbus, Chris Columbus is good at what he does, but Terry Gilliam doing the, because I mean, almost every movie is nominated for costume design. Gilliam is petty, man. He holds grudges. I love it. 
he we don't get people like that in hollywood anymore like i love that oh my gosh and like because they don't make it i know (laughs) i know (laughs) but people still find a way i mean like Uh, and like the thing is about gilliam like studios may not want to take a chance on him yeah you know who does actors people want to work with gilliam and that's great. And I hope for his final key. So I did, he has two films he wants to make before he dies. Okay. One specifically. One's more turning into a play. He has one they I think actually got Greenland to do a play for. Another one that is a series he's wanting to move called The Defective Detective. Um, wants to be a limited series. And then another feature film. I can't remember The Defective Detective. They had someone. Uh, if it's on. a limited series, where would they? Where would it be at? I don't know. Like a. Prime or a Brit Box? Nah, that's right. He's probably too big for. I mean, not too big for Brit Box, but I would wager too big for Brit Box. I mean, he's like he's British, like royalty. I know. Yeah, I feel like it would be something more than that because there was somebody who was helping him write it. That's a big name. Uh, Defective Detective. Hang on. It's based on a short Terry Gilliam. There we go. Detective, Detective, Terry Gilliam. Unrealized Projects. Here we go. 21st Century. So in 2002, Gilliam attempted to direct a film adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Good Omens with Johnny Depp and Robin Williams to star as the two demons instead of what we got on Amazon Prime with... um, Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, Uh... this never came to fruition. Uh, the film was canceled due to the uh, September 11th attacks. Uh, uh, the story eventually appeared in 2009. We know about that. Or 2019, we know that. Uh, he also had a Gorillaz movie. Um, he was supposed to produce um, in 2006. The World Jones made. Don't know that one. He also... Oh, okay. He was offered to... He turned down the directing thing of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. Uh, he turned down the directing of the original Adams Family in 91. Oh. He oh. turned down the um, sequel of Alien and they came back and offered him Alien 3 too. Turned both of those down. Yeah. He turned down the... Oh! He turned down the offer to do Forrest Gump. He turned down the offer to do Braveheart. That would have been weird. Him doing Braveheart. Yeah. Sons of Strange Love. I don't know Who, that. What's the source? Wikipedia, but they're cited. Okay. So yeah. I'm not clicking on the sites, but they have sites on them. Yeah. The Truman Show. Now that one would have worked. Yeah, the Truman Show would have been that that feels like a, a Gilliam. And then Harry here's the Harry Potter one that's got the deepest dive. Uh series of unfortunate events. That would have been a that good been one. Awesome. Um he didn't want to work with Jim Carrey. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sandman. He wanted to do a film adaptation of that, the one that Netflix has the rights to. Ooh, that would have been. A, I think that would have been a good world for him too. Yeah. So those are his most recent one. Where's Defective Detective? Oh, he tried to adapt The Watchmen in 1996, unsuccessful. Uh, he oh he was offered to do uh, or was in negotiation to do a Scanner Darkly, which I love a Scanner Darkly. I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, Keanu Reeves, Robert Downey Jr. A weird surreal animation film. You would you will like that. Here's a Defective Detective. Um, in 2015, Amazon Prime Video. There it is. You're right. Uh, into a six hour miniseries. Uh, Paramount's looking at it right now. Nice. Okay. Uh, Nicholas Cage, Cameron Diaz, Nick Nolte. 
Danny DeVito, Sean Connery were all attached to his original one in 2001. That would have been a heck of a cast. Yeah. Especially uh, that time. That was when, yeah. Uh, and he was also going to, in 2001, doing Time Bandits 2. It was going to be for the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> so. I think I might have to bump Time Bandit down just for that. Man. The potential that there could be a sequel to Time Bandits that Hallmark ended Channel. up on Hallmark. Like, this dude just looks like he hates people. Yeah. <laughs> it's in 2020. Yep. Uh, but no, dude has a storied career. Absolutely. Like, I, I I want to, you know, I always joke, well, not even joke, because I'm actually currently writing a screenplay. But, like, I would love to get in touch with Terry Gilliam and let me do a documentary. Let's, let's, let's do a, let's make a Terry Gilliam feature. Let's let me, I'm going to make a movie about Terry Gilliam's life. That would be a great time. I would have a great yeah. time with that. It'd be fun. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about the Oscars. Let's do it. So we've had an episode before where we gave our predictions. That was about probably, I guess, probably two two months ago now. Yeah. So I'm going to pull up the Oscars here. You don't want to do the same on your phone. So we've gotten through all of our big awards shows. We're here. We're done. We know how it's shaping up, which has been surprising. Everything, everywhere, all. Like at one point we were doing these. The Banshees of Inner Sharon and Tar were like dead set to win everything. Banshees has fallen off the map completely. Um, now, granted, I'm not going to let all these awards sway me too much. However, I do feel like the writing's on the wall for some of these. Um, so these are my final answers today. And these are not just ones. I'm not, I'm not choosing what I want. I'm choosing what I think will win. Yeah. Like what I genuinely think is going to win. Not what I want to win. So there, there, there's the criteria for this. So I'm going in the order that they have here. Actor in a leading role. Who are you going with? Actor. In a leading role. Of the five. Who do you think is going to win? The options are Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for Banshees, Brendan Fraser for The Well, Paul Muscall for After Sun, and Bill Nighy for Living. You need to watch Living. That's one you should watch this week. Okay, I'll try. Um, well, I'll try to watch it before Sunday. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to stick with Colin Farrell. Okay. I am going to go with... I'm going with Brendan Fraser for The Well. Okay. So you feel... Okay, let's, let's go It's either going to be him or Austin Butler. And I think it's trendy. Austin Butler now is they're saying he's going to win, but I'm going Brendan Fraser. Um, that's just because I, after all the movies I saw, I think he gave the best performance um, and I would love to see him get it. And I think he will get it ultimately. All right. Actor in a supporting role. The yeah. nominees are Brendan Gleeson for Banshees, Brandon Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for the Fablemans, Barry Keoghan for Banshees and Kei Kwan for everything, everywhere all at once. Uh, I'm going with Key. Yeah, Key Kwan from yeah, Everything Kiwi Everywhere Kwan. All at Once. I agree. Who did you say for the first one? Uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Okay. Uh, so after Sunday, next week's episode, we'll we'll see how we do. Are you keeping track of this? No, I will. Okay. Yeah, hang on, because otherwise I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it. You can go back and listen to it. So uh, you said Colin, Colin F. Jonathan said. Brendan, I'm not. I'm not putting the categories too much typing. I'll know. Brendan F. 
Oh, Colin F. Brendan F. Some we both chose the F boys. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then I we both say K Hugh. Kiwi. Kiwi. Is that really how you say it? Kiwi one. Okay, I feel better now. Cute. Okay. And actress in a leading role. Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna Diamas Blonde, Andrea Riseborough to Leslie, Michelle Williams, the Fablemans, and Michelle Yao. Everything everywhere all at once. This is the one that has got me most tipsy turvy. Because if you go by historic award season wins. Michelle Yeoh is going to clean up. Plus, some of the speeches they've made have been fairly problematic. Have you seen any of these? That Michelle... No, not yeah. she's made, but like, so the dad from Everything Everywhere All at Once, the older man. Yeah, he they're gave, calling... Calling Hollywood... Like, basically, if you don't give it to our people, y'all are racist. And like... I didn't it, get that. Oh, that's how... That's how, like, pundits took it. Not in a mean yeah. way either. They're like, yeah, absolutely. It's just... Basically... Okay, I hate to say this. I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say this because there's not a lot of representation for black women. Mm-hmm. They're now, they're now championing everything everywhere all at once for Asian American men and women. Yeah. Uh, now Chris movies, this is my favorite movie. They got nominated. I freaking love this movie. Yeah. But it's not the best movie objectively that's up there. And it's not got the best performances objectively that are up there. Like they're saying it's going to win best score. Now people are like <sighs> Babylon has to win best score. Yeah. If it doesn't win best score. It's freaking rigged. Um. Anyway, Michelle Williams is trending to win this now. There's no way in hell she should beat Kate Blanchett or Andrea Riseborough from a I, performance. Andrea Riseborough has not a snowball's chance in hell to win. Uh, yeah, against I, anybody in Michelle this. Michelle Yao above Riseborough. See, for not me. for me. Michelle I, Yao is my third on this what, list. What Michelle Yao is doing at towards the end of every of of that oh, movie. That's great. It, but what Andrea Riseborough does the whole damn movie. Of two Leslie. Yeah, but I think we think that mainly because I don't know. I I loved to Leslie. Mm-hmm. It was a huge surprise for me for the past year film. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't put it past that movie. I, I really enjoyed Oh, I mean the movie's everywhere. better. Everything ever all at once is way better than two Leslie. Yeah, but that in a in a movie where like the ensemble for that is like Mm. really gravitating like it, it pulls you in I still feel like you can single out like I don't feel like all mm. those performances were dependent on everyone else around them like if that makes sense yeah like, well I think it, I think Andrew Riseborough's were solely on her she carried that yeah film. no I, well I mean Marlon um, not uh, Marion Martin yeah or something like that which Sweeney which I meant to mention this when we were talking about this really quick um Marlon Brando, not Marlon Brando. Who was the person I was about to say? Sweeney, Marlon Martin, or whatever his name is. From no, Two Leslie. Maybe it was Marlon Brando. Frank, Frank Gallagher. A- HBO. They're from uh, Last of Us. It's getting right. late because I'm my mind is tripping. Frank from the Last of Us. Uh, this uh, White Lotus. Frank from the White Lotus. No, White Lotus. Uh, <laughs> what the hell's going on? Listen, listen, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Um, Frank Armand, uh, Mari, uh, Murray Bartlett, Murray Bartlett, yeah, Murray Bartlett looks like John Cleese. That's the whole point I was trying to make. Yeah, that was the that was the yeah. only point I was trying to make. Yeah. I apologize for I that. See that maybe at the end of this, let's recast Monty Python on people today. Okay, maybe <laughs> that'd be fun. Uh, no, uh, regardless, I think Andrew Riseborough did had a better performance, but Michelle Yao had more to do. <laughs> I guess. Well, in performances, like, has to go into the stunts, has to go into... You think she did her own stunts? 
Absolutely. Michelle Yeah did her own stunts. Yes. You know that for a fact? She's been as like she's been known for this stuff. Really? Yes. I've only seen a couple of her films ever. So. Oh wow. I haven't yeah. seen like I I can't say I've seen a whole lot, but I just I know enough to know. Oh, I didn't know that. Learned something today. She's a rock star, dude. No, I know, and I think her performance is great. Okay. I I do believe this needs to be Kate Blanchett though. I like I said last I, do you think uh, last she's gonna episode, win though? Do you really think she's gonna with how everything's trending? Yes, because not who you want. Who yes, you think because even though, because I want just for even record, though I think I want Colin Farrell to win the award, but I think Brendan Fraser is going to get it. Yeah, and I'm happy Brendan Fraser is going to get it. But I'm trying to just use this example. I think I'm going what I think here. Yeah. So you I think, think I think Kate Blanchett's still going to. I get think it. the Academy is going to hear all those speeches, hear all the backs backlash, and dig their heels deep even more and pick it, uh, Kate Blanchett. Okay. Okay. Which they should, in this case. They should not be swayed by public opinion. I will say, though, if Kate Blanchett wins this, I don't know how much we're going to see her in the future for movies. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, but I've also heard that for Joaquin Phoenix. And then he's yeah. on a renaissance right now. So, And then Leo said if he ever won one, he'd take a bow to. And, yeah. No, not happening. I think it's a... I think it's a Whatever. We'll see. It's a uh, drug. I also think Kate Blanchett takes us. Um, so we're both Team Kate here. Kate B. Uh, but Michelle, I would like to highlight Michelle Williams did really good in the Fablemans. I really enjoyed her performance there. Actress in a supporting role, Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Hong Chow for The Well, Carrie Condon for Banshees, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, the trendy pick right now is Jamie Lee Curtis or Stephanie Sue. Uh, once again, uh, that's who everybody's championing to win. I am once I'm going with Angela Bassett for Black Panther. Um. With a dark horse actually being Stephanie Sue, I think she'd be the yeah. I up. I actually think Stephanie Stephanie Sue could win. Like if we're like this was putting money on this and like odds, like mm-hmm. I think Stephanie Sue, like you said, dark horse in this. So you're that's, your, that's, your, that's who you think is going to win, Stephanie Sue. Yes, because I do think that I don't. I that's my second choice, but I, I'm going with Angela Bassett. But I think I think it's I think it's Stephanie U. Uh, Sue, if uh, Michelle Yao does not win Best Actress, mm, so contingent on another pick. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, she would be my second, but I, I'm still going to go with Angela Bassett. Animated feature film: uh, Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Uh, man, I really, yeah, it's going to be Pinocchio. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, and don't get me wrong, it it should win. But Puss in Boots, Boots is right yeah. there with it. No, Puss in Boots I, is freaking I, good. Yeah. Like animation, not just like enjoyment, like animation stuff. Good. The but, only reason I don't think it would would win is because um, we're just shortly, like, from what I understand, this animation style is very reminiscent to Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. It and, is. And, you know, it won recently, so I don't think they would back to back. I agree. I, I agree. Uh, cinematography, All Quiet on the Western Front, Bardo, Elvis, Empire of Light, Tar. I'm going with All Quiet on the Western Front. Cinematography. Hold on, let me get to it. I think that's going to be a sleeper win a lot. All quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh. Don't be surprised if it wins Best Picture. I'm dead serious. I'm not picking it, but I wouldn't be surprised. That's my dark horse. But I think it'll win Best Cinematography for sure. Cinematography. I think. We all know Bardo should. Just kidding. Yeah. But 
all, well, Bardo was damn good cinematography, but I think all Bardo quiet was great. It was will. just weird, unnecessary. I think um, all quiet will and should win. Has all quiet won anything similar to this? Yes, award? it's okay. been cleaning up. But I I called this like on month two months ago too. But all quiet on the Western Front, outside of everything we're all at once, has been dominating the awards. But like I said, we can go back check the yeah, timestamps, y'all. I've been calling all quiet on the Western Front to yeah, do well. Yeah, I'll go with all quiet. Okay. Uh, costume design: Babylon, Black Panther, Elvis, everything, everywhere, all at once. Miss Harris goes to Paris. This one's tough. Um, I oof. I have no recollect. I have no like context for how this is going to play out in terms of other rewards, but I'm gonna go with Elvis. No, it's Babylon or Elvis for me. Costume, does that have to do with makeup and all that? No, that's a different. Different category? Yeah. That's makeup and hairstyling, I believe. We're not going to hit that, are we? Yeah. We're, this is the full one. This is the big one. Okay. But we're just quick hitting it. I'm not sure. spending time on these unless we have sure. something to say. Um, I'll go with... Um, I'll go with Babylon as well. Okay. I, I, I actually am going with Elvis, so you're going Babylon. Yeah. It's one of those two, I think, has to win. I mean, I could see them going with um, Black Panther, though, because we got a whole. I get it, but nah, for me. You're so anti-culture. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm anti-trendy. Anyway, directing. Uh, Banshees, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Fave, so, well, Mark McDonough, the Daniel Daniel, mm-hmm. the Fate Spielberg, Todd Field for Tar, or Ruben Ostlin for Triangle of Sadness. Wait, we're doing director? Yeah. Um, shit. This is tough with the director. Um, my heart wants to say Steven Spielberg, but I think it's going to go to Daniel and Daniel. Shoot. I think Spielberg wins this. I I, oh. I do. I, I think Spielberg wins this. It's been, it's been, I've seen a lot of chatter. I've seen a lot of, uh, it's one of those two, man. Some go with. I'm going to side with you on this one. It's a toss-up for me. I think it could go either way, but I'm going to go Spielberg as well. Um, Which is going to suck because the Daniels, like... The Daniels had... Todd Field's been winning this one a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't think he's going to win this one at the, uh, at the Oscars. Uh, documentary feature, uh, just kind of take one and choose. Uh, do you have it pulled up? Uh, No. Hold on. Which one? Uh, documentary. Oh. I'm going to choose yes, is... Fire of Love. That's the only one I've heard of. Yeah, I would probably say the same thing as all I've heard of. So there we go. Okay, safe bet. Uh, documentary short film, <laughs> same thing. Let's see. Um, mm, just because I like the name of it, I'm gonna say Stranger at the Gate. Where this is? Should be right underneath it. I'm on the Oscars main page. Oh, I just had this. Uh, <laughs> You're like over there piecing together a jigsaw. Really am. You got the elephant whispers howl out. How do you measure a year in the Martha Mitchell effect and Stranger at the Gate? Documentary feature. Short feature. Short feature. I'll go with elephant whispers. Elephant whispers. Elephant I'm not repeating for context. I'm putting a voice so text in my our, phone. So our next one is achievement in film editing. Yep. Um, we had Banshees the, of Anishirin. The fact that Babylon's on here is nauseating to me. 
editing that film had to have been a Herculean task. Yeah, but I would also say that the editing was one of the least like liked things of that movie. See, I, th- I thought it was brilliant. I, mean, I did too. I love I love this movie. A lot but of the things were the least. People... The, a lot of things were the least liked things about Babylon. Apparently, yeah, apparently. sad. Um. So you have, yeah, like you said, you have Banshees, Elvis, everything you at once, Tar, and Top Gun. If Top Gun's going to win one, it might be this one. But um, I'm going to say... Editing. Shoot, bro. Probably everything everywhere for me. I agree. Yeah, that is that is one of the things that that movie does masterfully. Is It is pieced together perfectly. Yep. International feature film, uh, clean up for me. Um, all quiet, quiet. yeah. A lot of people say Argentina, if any of them are going to give it close, but oh, I, I EO is is also the donkey, yeah. That well, what was the uh, close? Was, close has got some love too, but uh, so you're all, all we're both all quiet for international future, yep. Okay, makeup and hairstyle. Here's what you were talking about. So, this one is tough, all quiet on the western front. The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and the well. This is honestly, this and best picture are probably the two tightest for me i th- i think this is gonna be elvis it's to me it's either elvis or all quiet on the western front with the well being the third dark horse yeah i'm going all quiet uh i put me down for elvis okay all right next is achievement in music written for motion pictures you got all quiet on the western front babylon banshees of inisherin everything everywhere all at once and the fablemans i'm going with babylon mm, yeah um that's the only one that's like got its own score. Yeah. Everything else is, I mean, don't me wrong. I mean, John Williams did great with the Fablemans, but like everything, it, ever, it, nothing stuck out to me though with that. The Fablemans? Fablemans, yeah. It was yeah, just nice. Musically. It's like, just nice. So you're, you're Babylon too? Yeah. A lot of people think everywhere, everything all at once might win. But honestly, you know what's not nominated on here that could have been? The freaking Black Panther score. That one was great. That, this one though, that movie. Did not stick with me as much. Black Panther? Yeah. Like yeah. there were, there, I don't know, just different moments um, that you think of whenever you think of those movies, at least the first one. That I know I know where my vote's going for this music. For uh, achievement in music written for motion pictures? Yeah, original song. Gotcha. So you have applause. Uh, oh, it's got to be not to, not to. You really think that's going to win? Because I don't think it's going to win. Yep, I think it's going to win. You think it's going to win? Yep. <sighs> That's what, what th- that's what I want to win. What do you think it is? Honestly, it'd probably either lift me up or hold my hand. But not to, not to, they're performing at the Oscars, which typically means it's not going to win. Oh. They're actually performing that live. So it's saying like, a, hey, you're not going to win, but we're going to have you perform it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like a, as a culture. Uh, but you say not to, not to. I'm going to pray that you're right. Yeah. Because I want to see it win. and I'll be glad to lose this game. When we tally who got the most, I like I will celebrate if this is the one that defines the difference. But I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with lift me up. Yeah. I could I could see that. That that would have been my, my choice. You just said not I've, to I not just to. I feel strong I feel strong about not to not Good, to. I'm glad I've I want seen you to- I feel like I've seen different articles written mm-hmm. of like why would this not be? Um, it should it should win I hope it does win yeah it's different it's unique and it's uh, like captured a generation uh, best picture ooh balls All Quiet on the Western Front Avatar the Way of Water Banshees of Inisherin, 
Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Oh my gosh. Uh, fast motion picture. You think it's tar? Or do you... I have felt strongly that it's going to be tar for a long time. You still think so? Yeah, I do. Because I don't think Todd Fields will win Best Director. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't feel great about it. Well, I'm going all quiet on the Western Front. What? Yep. I know. That's uh, crazy. It is, but I'm Why? telling you. I'm telling you, bro. That's what a, have you seen? Nothing. I just genuinely believe, now that we're closer to the Oscars, that this film is probably the best fundamental film all around. Yeah, but it's, been, but it's been done before. And some would say that the original... No. Some would be wrong. It's Have you seen all- the original? No, I don't care to because it's not as good. You haven't seen it? I just know. Oh my God. This is, it, 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 it's late now and this conver- <laughs> conversation has degraded. <laughs> We've turned into the William Hurt Neanderthal oh my in the Unaltered States. Yeah. No, uh, I'm joking. I don't really have that written down. <laughs> okay. But I do w- think it could win. Don't be surprised. Uh, I think it's going to be everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. I think that'll win. Banshees, man. I can't I believe wish. it. I wish, actually, no, I don't. I wish all quiet on the Western Front went. Longer time's gone on. I've underappreciated that movie and the fact that Babylon's in on here. The Fableman's actually up there. I love this year of Best Pictures. This has been a great year, but anything. I don't I don't think Fableman's has a chance of winning Best, but Spielberg, that's why I think Spielberg has a chance best for Best Director. director. So um, you're, you're Tar, I'm Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Uh, but I'm telling you, watch it. All quiet on the Western right. Front. My, no, no. I have seen it. No, no, no. Watch me be right that it might win. I, okay. Production design. All Quiet on the Western Front. Obviously, the Oscars are high on this movie, though. All Quiet yeah. on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. It's got to be Way of Water. There's no, there's no way it's not. It completely, like, it's new technology that's going to impact film for the next 10, Way of Water for years. JP. Production design. Um, I'm going to go with All Quiet. I'm hedging my bets here. You know, this year I gave... You know, you know that these picks turned from who we think is actually going to win mm-hmm. to who we, who we really want to win. No, I really think All Quiet's going to win. I'm telling you. Are you serious? I'm dead serious, bro. I mean, it would be my second choice. Well, exactly. It's all, yeah. I, it's, all of these are like... I have what... My other one would have been Babylon, though. So, not sure. way of water. Yeah, I, I understand. I think the Oscars are going to... I think Avatar's going to get shut out. Wow. I do. I think it's got to win All right, one short thing. film. Uh, the Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks, and an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. I'm going with The Boy, The Mole. I'm going to go with An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I think I believe it. Oh, she went with The Dicks. No, I was not going to give you that satisfaction. Of the dicks. Of the dicks. <laughs> All right, short film, live action, An Irish Goodbye, la Night Ride, and The Red Suitcase. I'm going with An Irish Goodbye. Sure. No, do something different. 
Because we don't know anything about these. Let's just make it fun. <sighs> Night ride. Night ride. I wish you would have chose the dicks first. Giving you a night ride, baby. Uh, let's go with uh, sound. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar Way of Water, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick. If Top Gun Maverick wins one, it's this one, and I'm going with it. Which ones? Actually, I don't know. Uh, this one is sound design. Seriously, though, I think if Top Gun does have a chance to win, it'll be this one. Mm. Uh, we're go with man this is tough this one's a little harder than I thought it was going to be yeah because um, I'll be honest I don't understand the criteria for achievement and sound this is like all because, of it this is like what blowout is the people who make the sounds fit into the film because yeah, like, I'm thinking like Top Gun Maverick like that is amazing intense. It's, it's this or All Quiet on the Western Front I mean those are the two I'm still torn between I'll go with All Quiet. You can pick it. It's not a big deal. Is it? Yeah. So, you know. All right. I'm going with All Quiet, but just know I part of me thinks Top Gun's going to win it. But I, I, I think All Quiet should, and I think will win that. Visual effects. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar Way of Lauder. Lauder. Water. The Batman. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Top Gun Maverick. If Avatar was going to win one, it might be this one. I mean, visual effects. I mean, shit. Yeah, it's going to be way water. I'm going all quiet. People are going to be listening to this. Like, I haven't seen this movie. Like, I'm going to have to go watch it now. So if I did one good thing tonight, it's this. Uh, uh, Writing adapted screenplay. All quiet on the Western Front. Glass Onion. Living. Top Gun Maverick. Women Talking. Adapted screenplay. Um, mm. Oof. It's either going to be living or all quiet on the Western Front. Well, I will go with all quiet on the Western Front since I haven't seen living. I'm going with all quiet too. All right. It's fine. That can, that can happen. Look what you've done. Writing original screenplay. Listen, if Women Talking wins Best Adapted Screenplay, I'm gonna be mad. Uh, writing original screenplay: Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Triangle of Sadness. This has got to be Banshees. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. They may give us one Everything Everywhere All at Once, but I want Banshees to win one, and I think they should win one, and will win one. I think it'll be this one. Uh, Banshees read like like I watch it. I mean, it feels like a. I mean, they're all yeah. screen. You get what I'm trying to say. So you think Banshees? For Banshees. All right, we got our picks locked in officially for the Oscars. Um, if I have time, maybe I'll make this into a little ballot, but I probably won't. No, but maybe wishful thinking. <laughs> uh, so we got them. We got them picked. This is it. Uh, not what we want. This is what we think will happen. Uh, because if I had my choice, it'd be the Fablemans would have won a couple of these and. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Colin, uh, Colin Farrell would have won for me, and all sorts of stuff. So, we'll see. We'll see how we shape up and how our picks do. Uh, but this has been our in review and our a topic or two session uh, where we discuss Twelve Monkeys, My Path and the Meaning of Life, and our Oscars next week. We will be back. Uh, we will. You take our topic or two next. Year, you should review review the Oscars, like Oscar recap. 
Uh, no, or should that be the probably, news? That'll probably be the news. The news. Yeah. So I don't so know what don't, our topic so will be next. don't watch a lot of movies, Jonathan. I won't have time this week. Yeah. I got a big back week. to work. Yeah, back to work. And I'm, I'm going to watch a few, but I'm mainly going to be watching Oscar movies yeah. with Abby. So All Quiet on the Western Front, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and uh, maybe one more. And then I'll try to, and then I got to watch my Terry Gilliam, which brings us to uh, next week we'll be talking about, well, this week we'll be watching uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote and The Adventures of Baron Monchauser. Uh, so those will be our reviews this week. Uh, so you can be looking for those. And now I'm going to go see 65 this week mm. and uh, something else. Maybe Champions, the Woody Harrelson basketball. Maybe. Some, uh, we'll get some, no, not Nick. Shazam. Is it this week? It's what? next week. Next we get week some Ted Shaz- Lasso next week. Really? That's already back? March 15th, I think. Dang. Next week's big week. You get Shazam. Yeah. You get Inside with Willem Dafoe. Do you just snort a line of cocaine over here, Cocaine Bear? You're like rocking back and forth, sniffing your nose. No, I'm, just, I'm sore. Sore? Yeah. From that bag of dicks? No. I wish you would have chose it. No. Anyway. All right, guys. This has been Mostly Film. Uh, we will see you all next Tuesday for our... Uh, you know, news and stuff. (laughs) See y'all later. See ya. (laughs) 